Knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. It's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G, and the rest. Like an overhand right from Crusher Cold with Lev. The tale of the tape on the boxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on the boxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 135 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, The Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's up, brother? The uh, the eyes of the boxing world focusing on Liverpool, England this week. <laughs> the Echo Arena will be <laughs> on tilt as BJ Flores storms the United Kingdom looking for his much-deserved cruiserweight championship oh there's there's nobody in the boxing world that deserves a shot like old bj (laughs) jesus oh man that takes the uh, spotlight on episode 135 for the fight preview section as it is well i guess as it has been the heavyweight division continues to evolve continues to just get flipped upside down and is the center of attention again on episode 135. When is the last time the heavyweight division has gotten this much run? I mean, <laughs> we, we've been doing this for almost three years now. Yeah. Uh, we, for the first year and a half, I feel like rarely ever, ever did we talk about the heavyweight division. Now it's just there's news popping every week. You know, the, the, sad, the saddest part about the news is you wish it was kind of in-ring news and not all out-of-the-ring news. Like, can we get you know, like an actual heavyweight fight? Well, yeah, but look, look at it this way. If we didn't have all this heavyweight stuff to talk about, what would we be talking about? We'd be on vacation, my friend. <laughs> yeah, tail of the tape would be on hiatus. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, we got Bellew and Flores to preview the heavyweight division ever evolving, ever changing. Um, a lot of movers and shakers going on in the division, stuff on hold and about to be made. And, of course, the ever-evolving uh, situation that is trying to get a legitimate fight for Triple G. As Team Jacobs and Team Heyman are uh, trying to throw as many roadblocks and barriers as humanly possible. Shocked. Absolutely shocked. Hey, fake champion, how about an interim bout? <laughs> right. you, you need an interim bout to sort it out? You need another <laughs> another uh, fight in front of 200 people in Reading, Pennsylvania? Give me a break, man. I, th- this news is just, it, it just can't get any more ridiculous, man. Well, Vin, it does. And <laughs> to close the show today, we're going to uh, talk about a fight announcement that came across the boxing wires. My boy. Uh, your boy, DSG, announcing his next fight. But guess what? Nobody knows who the opponent's going to be. It is top secret. This is going to (laughs) be the biggest fight of Danny Garcia's illustrious, uh, declining, decrepit, irrelevant, inactive career. I mean, there's just there's nobody worse in the sport. There's no bigger (laughs) disgrace to the sport of boxing, honestly. (laughs) Oh, but he's bringing the disgrace home this time. (sighs) All right, so yeah, some DSG banter on the way. Um, outside of that, we're just waiting 
for the big fights to arrive. Juan Francisco Estrada has apparently broke his hand again. That sucks. On his path. So it was his debut at 115. Hey, how about that Joshua Klitschko fight, huh? How about it? (laughs) How about it? More news on Joshua Klitschko. It could happen this time. And if not, it might happen on the next episode. But guess what? If you keep listening every week. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, you'll get Joshua Chisora and it'll be all over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome back to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. You're tuned into episode 135. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today for all the ways to subscribe to the show. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Spreaker. Be sure to drop us a line, podcast at theboxingrant.com, and hit us up on Twitter. Get at Vince Cummings, at Vince Cummings 81, and hit me up at Kenny Keith Jr. So, Vin, here we go. Episode 135 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. And we kick it off with the fight of the week from the Echo Arena in Liverpool, England. It's the WBC Cruiserweight Champion of the World, Tony, a.k.a. Pretty Ricky, (laughs) Bellew, defends the green belt against... I mean, let's just be honest, Vince. If there is anybody in a stacked, action-packed, Balls to the wall, lay it all on the line, dare to be great, 200-pound division. I think the opponent of Tony Bellew represents and is the very definition of everything that I just said. I would have to 100% disagree with you. (laughs) This motherfucker is... (laughs) PJ Flores! Hey, fucking pretty boy Hollywood Flores coming to the UK. He's going to get his fucking head knocked off. Dude, he wasn't ranked anywhere near the top 15. And then miraculously, hey, guess what? A week before the fight's announced, BJ Flores is ranked in the top 15. I just so happened when this fight was announced uh, months ago, uh, I I sent a tweet to uh, Suleiman of the WBC, and he actually fucking responded. Yeah, I said something along the lines of this is, you know, you guys are a complete disgrace. This guy's ranked 25th, and somehow he'll mysteriously wind up in the top 15 to legitimize this fight and he responds with well there's nothing about the career of bj flores that doesn't warrant him being in the top 15 well then why is he 20 fucking four right now and why did you move him up to 14 i don't know i just checked today i forgot to look but i don't know when it got when he got there but it's just a complete fucking joke like this guy jumps 10 spots he hasn't beaten anybody Legitimate in the division. His last <laughs> fucking fight against Beibut Shumanov was a disgrace he to got, the sport. He got schooled. It was a disgrace to the sport. It fucking was, especially that division. I mean, I don't. I, I can't remember the the total punches thrown. I want to say it was just over three hundred punches. BJ Flores threw in that fight. Just an inactive bum that does not belong in a title fight ever. No, he's a C-level fighter, Ben. I mean, it's, it's you know, Hearn found a guy from the United States that people over there might say, ooh, I saw him on the PBC one night. Oh, he announced the Olympics. Oh, yeah. He fucking is nobody. He stinks. I think the last time, what was he? What, was he? Did he hold a belt? I don't think he ever held a belt. He fought for the interim belt against Shumanoff. Oh, the interim NABFR. Yeah, WBO-NABA. Yeah. A&M Light. Yeah, give me a break. This guy, is his opponent's since his last win are like three and 24 combined. This guy's a fucking joke, man. Well, 
Um, sometimes it blows my mind how managers or promoters can get their fighters to do certain things. Like, look, listen, I think BJ Flores in his own mind is much greater, of, you know, in the ring than he actually is. Mm-hmm. And I think Al, he, uh, Al Heyman kind of saw him as a mark. He was like, okay, this guy's talented enough. He's well-spoken enough. He can announce the fights. And he views himself, his sense of self-value as a fighter is high enough that when the time comes, I can serve him up for a payday over in the United Kingdom as an option that might have had something to do with uh, Charles Martin uh, handing over a belt from uh, Al Heyman Mm -hmm. and company to Anthony Joshua. Maybe part of that, maybe not. May just be the fact that Al Heyman is serving up marks as opponents over in the UK. But guess what? Let's be honest. That that's the truth of the situation. Oh yeah. But how the hell else was BJ Flores ever going to get a fucking world title shot? He wasn't. Exactly. So he's like, you know what? I'll sell out. I'll fucking push this bullshit narrative. Right. I will pump this sunshine so far up your ass. <laughs> I will sugarcoat that bitch for you. It's fucking hilarious. You know what I'm man. saying? Because yeah. guess what? A guy so undeserving of a world title shot gets one. It's unbelievable, and it's consistently <laughs> Heyman guys that are getting shots like this. Yeah, and I, I just how the fucking the WBC gets off just moving guys up ten spots without even winning a fight, losing two fights prior. It's just give me a fucking break. And look, let's be honest here. I mean, Tony Bellew uh, may be the WBC champion, and I give him all the credit in the world. Uh, he won a fight that everybody expected him to lose true, against true. Makubu and finished it in grand fashion. And, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Tony Bellew's in, like, in ring as a fighter. I do like I do like kind of his fucking brash personality, how he basically just says, fuck you to everybody. Yeah, his personality is great for the sport. I, I couldn't have picked a, a better guy to be the guy to just, just please knock out B.J. Flores. Please. <laughs> I, I'm begging you, Tony, Tony Bell, you please. If he doesn't, this fight does have, if it goes the distance, this is going to be oh. unbearable to watch. Because Bell, you can, can get inactive and, and be and be in some ugly fights. And Flores, I'm sorry. I mean, You're I sure shit not going to trade leather. No, 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 no. He'd be happy to go 12 rounds. <laughs> keep that, keep that face clean. I mean, let's be honest, man. This same fucking clown thought he won that fight against Shumanov. Dude. Shumanoff, the guy who got unbelievably embarrassed by Bernard Hopkins. <laughs> He's basically the reason for the rebirth in Bernard Hopkins' career yeah. at 46. Right. So, But in that fight, he looked so outclassed against a senior citizen, Bernard Hopkins. So outclassed. But then against Flores, he comes out and fucking boxes, skates the outside, sticking moves, <laughs> pot shots. It's like, hold on a second. <laughs> this is this the same fucking guy? Yeah, Flores made this guy look like Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> it's because Flores <laughs> is a fucking sparring partner. Oh, it's gonna be great. I, I, I'm gonna watch <laughs> only because I want to see Bell. You knock his ass out. This is one of boxing's uh, constant little. Uh, you could say nuggets, little morsels, little treats. I call them little shit shows. Yeah, or dingleberries. <laughs> always gonna be there, no matter how. Hard, you wipe. <laughs> oh, BJ Flores. This is the wet wipe of fights. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. 
Oh, give me a prediction, Ben. I'm going Bellu KO four. Ooh, an early KO. Yes, I think he puts on a show. I think he finishes his bump. Oh, dude, and that's not saying much because Bellu ain't that damn good and and shouldn't be a champion right now either. There's plenty of guys that beat him. I think that your prediction is probably seventy five percent chance going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to go with the other twenty five percent. I'm going to play the role of the cynic, Vin. I think that this is going to be a fucking tedious 12 rounds of fucking Chinese torture. Uh, very well, could be. Drip, drip, drip. Hey, if I if, <laughs> if it's the fucking waterboard treatment, I, I'll turn it off in round six. Oh, it's, I, I just have this feeling, dude, that it's just not going to go the way that... Now, listen, this will be a triumph for everybody that's always wanted this guy to get what he fucking deserves. He's the the sad part is, is he's not even really that big of a deal, and I could like I would really not give a shit about him. But since he is getting a shot at a title, and he fucking doesn't deserve it, and I really can't stand the way he is on the mic and just how he perpetrates the PBC, I, I'm just this is one of them things where you're like, oh man, I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing him get his ass kicked, <laughs> <laughs> dude. You know what this is? I mean, look, this is a natural ticket seller. Eddie Hearn was like, listen. Make this guy rank 14th. Give you a little kickback money on that, right? Because BJ Flores, we've already seen it in the United Kingdom. For as much as we praise our UK brethren for their just absolute fandomonium, mm-hmm. and they're the best boxing fans in the entire world. It's undebatable. Right. But they also perch up and fucking admire Pauli Malinaji. Oh, they do. The pillow-fisted, unathletic, fucking rat voice hypocrite they just don't have enough exposure to him yet they love him dude he's calling british fights now for fucking sky sports i know paulie malinaji look bj flores will do just fine in the uk if they love paulie malinaji bj BJ flores will be to the uk (laughs) what fucking david hasselhoff is to germany you ain't lying dude (laughs) if you're gonna fall for malinaji stick stick yeah i think uh flores will be just fine Oh, man, yeah. I'm going to say uh, Bellew by a ugly, ugly, hideous, hideous split decision. <laughs> can't wait, Ken. Uh, I can't fucking wait for this fight, bro. Ben, that was 10 minutes dedicated to a BJ Flores fight. That will be the last 10 minutes dedicated to BJ Flores on the show either. Honestly, dude, I do not blame any of our listeners that just turned the show off. Eh, they'll be fine. Right? They'll be fine. They jumped straight over to, to Ellie Secback videos on YouTube. They're just like, oh, man, too much PJ Flores. Hey, according to the listeners, we're a UK podcast anyways, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what'd that one guy say? This is a top-notch UK podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, dude, I would love, hey, somebody foot the bill. Let's put something together. Let's take the show to the UK. I mean, it doesn't take much, man. Just right. a little flat apartment and some fucking ramen noodles. I'm good. You can you can buy me, Eddie. I'll be the <laughs> I'll be the matchroom boxing podcast. <laughs> I'll move over, Carl Frotch. <laughs> oh man! All right, so uh, let's just go right into news and notes. Keep it in the UK since we are a UK boxing podcast. Uh, Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. IBF heavyweight championship. Eddie Hearn is in the final hours here, man. It is fucking go time. I don't know if he's trying to put pressure on Klitschko, but that sure shit seems like what it is. I think you probably don't even want to hear what I have to say right now, Vin. Because all, 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 no, no, no. Because all you're thinking right now is Derek Trezor 
or fucking David Price, aren't you? Um, yeah. Can't get it out of your head. Uh, yeah. What, what's what's going to happen? I want <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> Apparently, it has to be made by the end of the week. Oh. Because if it's not, they cannot look. They have to have a certain number of days before Joshua's next fight to fire up the hype train. It takes a while to heat that thing. Got to get the glow plugs, heat the engine up before they fire up the hype train. Right. Friday is go time for the hype train. Is Vladimir Klitschko going to be on it? I still think there's a good chance Vlad signs the paperwork because, honestly, is he going to sit around and wait for the WBA, and then who's he going to fight? Is he going to take the fucking mandatory against Luis Ortiz? Because you know the WBA is going to make Luis Ortiz the mandatory immediately. Well, do you think Eddie Hearn signing Luis Ortiz had anything to do? Like, just so happened to sign it before this negotiation, you're like... Let's just put a little leverage on that because he knows that's what's waiting for him over there. So you want to go fight him and definitely lose, or do you want to fight Joshua and at least have somewhat of a chance? Yeah. I still don't think it fucking happens, man. No. you. I mean, look, I just it's fucking Eddie Hearn. And what with what he's done with, to, with Joshua so far, there's nothing that leads me to believe that he is going to take any serious risk with this guy yet because it hasn't even reached – near the potential or the fevered pitch that it could if he keeps this fucking hype train going for a little bit longer. And a loss to Klitschko will derail that motherfucker so quick. I'm telling you, it will. In my opinion, everybody that is a casual and at least know about Klitschko, okay, and they know who he is, they know that Fury beat him. Most, Most of the casuals don't respect Fury. So if they come back and see Klitschko beat Joshua, you have to, you know, people are gonna going to question whether he was any good to begin with. That's a great point. You know, you know what I mean. It, it, I, I wouldn't risk it if I was him. Maybe they, like you said in the last podcast, they see Klitschko as a mark right now, and I, I, he very well could be. It's just hard as a boxing fan and somebody who's watched Klitschko for so long to say, yeah, he's done, just because a six foot nine fucking freak that can that can move in the ring was able to stifle his what what game plan that he used for a decade that beat everybody i i still think that you i I can't you're not going to find me saying klitschko or joshua is going to beat klitschko i can't do it no and i i don't think he can right now right i think that if klitschko stays in the game as long as he said he wants to like he said he wants to fight for another three years right Mm -hmm. so if that's the case i think he can what makes, regardless of Joshua's size and his power, l- let's get one thing clear. Klitschko and Joshua will stand eye to eye. Oh, yeah. They'll be nose to nose. They're the same exact size. Mm-hmm. They probably weigh the same. They're both built in, in differently, but they're both chiseled out of fucking granite. Yep. The two of them, right? Mm-hmm. Klitschko struggled with Fury because of the lateral movement, because Fury boxed him at range, his size, Everything confused what he does best. What Klitschko does best is when you try to come forward because you know the only way you're going to beat this guy is by knocking him out. He keeps you at distance with that thunder pull jab, and then comes either the left hook or the straight right, right down the pipe. He keeps you right in range. Anthony Joshua's style is all fucking wrong Oh yeah, for Vlad. Vlad will stand there on his back foot. He'll keep that chin tucked, and he will pepper Joshua. What? I love me some Anthony Joshua. I have watched every single one of this fucking kid's fights. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you right now, as explosive as he is when he gets an opponent on the ropes, 
as devastating as his power is, his lateral movement is horrible. Oh, his footwork is he, dude. He fights in fucking concrete sometimes. It feels like. But, but when he gets settled in and his feet are planted firmly in concrete and he's got his guy on the ropes, yeah, oh yeah, it's devastating because there's nowhere to go. Yeah, he's always sitting down on a shot. He he makes sure that when he unloads that right hand, he's going to be sitting down and it's going to be a heavy fucking shot. But yeah, we've and I've noticed it more, and I think you have too in the last three or four fights. And especially when you're fighting the fucking the the Charles Martins and the Dominic Brazils of the world, you're you're, you're getting fucking bad habits because you can stand there and you can fucking get lazy with your jab. Get confident. Remember how he was confident. Remember how he was throwing that right and kind of like putting style on it yeah. against against Brazil, like yeah. popping it back. And yep. it's like, dude, that that you you cannot do that. This isn't Klitschko will fucking destroy you. He will wait for you to do that and time that shit. I'm a I'm as big a Joshua fan as you are, and everybody everybody is you know we've been seeing it from the beginning, and I want to I want this kid to be on top, but I just right now I don't think he's ready. No, and I think Eddie Hearn fucking knows that. Yeah, P- people are like, listen, Klitschko's last two fights. Look at the Jennings fight; he struggled with Jennings. Look at the Fury fight, dude. Both of those fights, Anthony Joshua couldn't be further from opposite of e- of both of those fighters. No, Jennings is cagey, and he. Awkward. Awkward, yeah, because he doesn't have the amateur pedigree. Right. He's just a, a fighter, so it doesn't look as natural and fluid. Everything's out of rhythm. He doesn't really fight that well at range, so it's it, it's awkward. He was never really there for Klitschko to hit. You know, I don't see Anthony Joshua working on anything in the ring from now to November 26th. If this is the fight that they announce that is going to prepare him outside of him landing a monster punch, exactly, which is always the case. I'm not going to take Klitschko's performance against Jennings or Tyson Fury and say that that has anything to do with how Klitschko versus Joshua could possibly turn out. No, I agree 100%. I mean, it's just, it's hard to look at a guy like Klitschko who you've seen dominate and just say he's done. I, he's just not, in my opinion, from watching that Fury fight, yes, that was a shit fight, but that was also a guy who I think it had been a long time since he had found himself in that position in the ring, and he did not know how to adapt. Uh, he may have avoid, He may be able to avoid the Fury situation altogether because who knows what the case is with him right now. So with Fury out of the picture, to me, he's the best. Yeah. And, and Lu, Luis Ortiz is right there, but... Right now, Klitschko is the best, period. Dude, you want my top four? I'll give you my top four right now. My top four is Klitschko, Ortiz, Wilder, and Joshua. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go right along with that. You maybe flip-flop Wilder and Joshua, but I don't, it's pointless. Who gives a fuck? Right, it's pointless. Y- exactly. Neither of them look They're unproven. What, we're going to sit here and argue those two resumes against one another? Yeah, throw Joshua Parker at number five. There's, I, your, there's your top five right there. I'd rather go run into that cinder block wall right there. <laughs> I mean, what's yeah, the, arguing their resumes. <laughs> like, who's his, No, that, that's a fucking... No, absolutely not. We'll leave those to the uh, the Lil G fans and the Andre Ward haters. How yep, about that? Yep, they can, they can debate that shit all day. <laughs> Oh man! All right, so Joseph Parker is kind of in limbo because of these, you know, the belt situation. He's mm-hmm. a mandatory to the IBF. Obviously, the path of least resistance goes through the WBO. The WBO has given Tyson Fury ten days to tell them why he shouldn't be stripped. So basically, in ten days, he's going to be yeah. stripped. Yep, and that puts Joseph Parker 
versus top ranks undefeated heavyweight prospect Andy Ruiz for the vacant WBO heavyweight title. I'll tell you what, man. This is an interesting matchup for a vacant belt. Usually, they toss you a fucking soft touch. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Andy Ruiz has as much pedigree as Joseph Parker. He does, and he's got... He can box, and... It's just it's a different style than anything Parker's been in against right now to this point. Uh, to me, I think it's a scary fucking matchup because Ruiz can box. Now, Parker, you know, just as good of a boxer in his own right and, and as, is definitely the more powerful powerful fighter. You know, can he catch Ruiz? You know, that, that's to be seen. Ruiz is a – depends a- on what kind of fucking shape this guy comes into. You hear, you know, conflicting stories. He's up in weight. He's down in weight. He's a big fucking dude. I mean, he's a fat guy. He's with fucking short arms, but he can fight. And it's and he's Mexican. Yeah, you, <laughs> you step into the ring, and you're you're probably thinking to myself, I, I can fucking beat this guy. Yeah, look at this fucking. He's a miniature butterbean. No, this kid can fight, and I, I I see it as that's a little bit of a scary fight for Parker. Do I think he wins? Absolutely, but it's a scary fight. If Andy Ruiz comes to the ring in shape, the best shape of his life, mm-hmm. he stands a chance. He's he's training with Abel too. If he look, he he's been since his run of activity here over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Top rank has been keeping him active because they know they keep him active. It's the Chris Ariola effect. Right. The good thing for Ruiz is is that he's super young. He doesn't have the mileage of an Ariola. Mm-hmm. So really, his own worst enemy is his weight. If he keeps it down, comes in the best shape of his life, he stands a chance. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when this fight is decided, Parker's the bigger fighter. Parker, I don't care what Bob Arum says. He has not been watching film on Joseph Parker, or he feels jilted, no. or he feels jilted because Parker doesn't want to sign with top rank. Right. Joseph Parker has, uh, look, it's it's to me, it's a wash, equal wash on the boxing skill front. Right. Parker has the reach advantage, he has the power advantage, and he has the hand speed advantage. Footwork too. He's he's a little he's got better footwork. Ruiz is really an expert of fighting off the ropes though he if, if he can keep his distance and stay on the ropes against parker he might be in good shape parker's best bet for this fight keep it at range don't let ruiz get you on the ropes because mm-hmm. he will pound him on the ropes ruiz is a sneaky little bastard he is man he is that's why it's a scary fight to me i just think he's a sneaky fucking boxer that if you know, on any given night, he could beat Joseph Parker. Will he? Eight out of ten nights? Probably not. And I don't think it'll be this night. No, I don't think so either. Um, so that looks like what we're getting for the WBO, but, you know, stay tuned because this thing is fluid. Oh, my God. It changes <laughs> fucking daily. Uh, Vince announced earlier when we were talking about uh, matchroom Anthony Joshua heavyweights, Luis Ortiz has signed a deal. It looks like Eddie Hearn was sailing through the Atlantic Ocean down towards the Caribbean and came across a handcrafted raft. A dinghy? <laughs> a dinghy. Yeah, I don't know what they call that in Cuba. Um, pinga? Is that what they call a dinghy? <laughs> Luis Ortiz has been rescued by Eddie Hearn and Match Room Boxing. Look, we speculated on this in the immediacy and the fact that there seemed to be nowhere to go. Yeah. Luis Ortiz's move in the buyout situation with Golden Boy seemed to not even make sense. It seemed illogical. Yeah. But now it seems that this mysterious bidder that had the $1 million, $1 million. The slickster. 
to buy out the contract from Golden Boy, Eddie Hearn. Luis Ortiz joins the ranks. Dude, <laughs> go ahead, man. You couldn't help. You couldn't make a better fucking decision. I mean, he made the best decision he could possibly make going Absolutely. with boxing's best promoter right now that can get him big fights that he's been dying to get. I read this, and I, the first thing I thought of, I couldn't help but think of uh, the scene from Dumber and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber when uh, when Harry uh, sells the van, <laughs> or when Lloyd sells the van, yeah, and they fucking part ways, right? And, and Harry's walking down the street, and Lloyd pulls up in the scooter. He's like, just when I thought you couldn't be any dumber, you go and totally redeem yourself. I just that was the first thing that came to my mind. I, I was actually happy for the fucking dude, man. Like, he deserves this. This guy deserves to get good fights. He is a unexposed beast of a heavyweight. Yeah, and it looks like um, he's going to take on Malik Scott November 12th in Monte Carlo, and then Eddie Hearn says he will be bringing King Kong to London. He gets a little Eddie Hearn special, huh? Yeah. Well, Malik Scott, that's an that's a Eddie Hearn special there. It is. It is. At first, I was like, hold on, what, Carlos to Cam? No, we're going to give you Malik Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, dude, yeah, I, I have to uh, just echo what you just said. When I heard Ortiz, King Kong Ortiz was signing with Matchroom, this is absolutely the best thing he could do. Yeah. And uh, who knows, maybe there's still some options out there, and they'll feed up old uh, 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 Charles Martin and Dominic Brazil and I don't want to see that yeah, I'm now. just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Hey, dude, but go ahead, throw Dillian White in there. He's got something to say, right? Yeah, I, that would be nice. <laughs> I, I could see that being the next fight, to be honest with you. Yeah, does this make the Anthony Joshua fight happen, or does this keep Luis it, Ortiz in Matchroom's ranks long enough to get old for Anthony Joshua to fight Ortiz? Yeah, something tells me that this doesn't lead to a, to a Joshua Ortiz fight in 2017. I know that. 2019? Yeah. 2020? Little... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, keeping it in the heavyweight division, Alexander Povetkin versus Berman Stavern. WBC eliminator in the wake of Povetkin's positive tests for meldonium, not suspended by the WBC, but ordered to fight Berman Stavern in an eliminator to face. Well, it's, you know, look, Deontay Wilder's hand situation, right? What he's broken his hand three times now, then mm-hmm. lot is up in the air as it relates to Wilder. So I have no problem with this fight happening. Purse bid happened on Friday, and it looks like uh, Team Povetkin and the Ryabinskis came through with a purse bid of $3.165 million. How's that thing break down? The payouts? The payouts, well, 90% goes to the fighters 50-50. So they're splitting 45%, 45% of 90% of the purse. Right. Right, so both fighters are guaranteed um, a split of $1.42 million apiece. Then the remaining 10% of... The purse bid, which is $316,000, goes to the winner. Hey, it's pretty incentivized. I like it. I like that deal. Uh, Berman Stavern done hit the jackpot. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there ain't nobody in boxing other than Ryabinski and Pavetkin paying $3.6 million for a fight with him involved in it. No, no. I mean, seriously, this man got – this is probably more money than he got to fight Wilder. Actually, I know it is. <laughs> well, guess what? He's getting one point four, but he's got to go – to uh, Russia for this one because old Don King only came through with $2.1 million and Eye of the Tiger fell a little bit short <laughs> uh, with a purse bid of 542000 Nice try, guys. Yeah, almost. I mean, that's probably about what that fight would be worth if it was in America. Yeah. <laughs> but all purse bid aside, Deontay Wilder's hand situation, what do you think about Pavekin versus Tavern? 
Oh, it should be a decent fight. I, it, it all depends on what kind of shape Stavern comes in. I mean, oh, geez. He, he's been struggling, dude. I don't, what kind of workout program do they have at the girl collection? Yeah, where's he been? What's he been doing? Like, I feel like he's been sitting on the couch for eight months, uh, you know, after he w- went into the hospital for dehydration after the Wilder fight. He kind of just slipped into the darkness, and we've heard nothing about him. <laughs> Most Don King fighters do nowadays. Oh, I mean, yeah, he. You're with Don King. You'd be lucky to get one fight every 18 months. I mean, I don't. I have no idea why any fighter would sign with that guy. I, I, look, it's a, it's a decent fight, man. You know, I think Pavek can is the better fighter, and I think will come in in way better shape, and will win this fight pretty easily. Even without the meldonium? <laughs> I, I don't, yeah. I, I, dude, fuck, that shit is such bullshit. I mean, look, there's so many fucking banned substances, and the list is so, nobody really knows. They just kind of like, oh, one study said it does this, and, you know, it really doesn't do that fucking much. I mean, is meldonium making that big of a difference? We've already seen uh, Sharapova in tennis got her suspension cut in half. Because they're coming to find out that it really is not that fucking big of a deal. It's being blown way out of proportion more than it should be. Dude, all Mexican fighters have to do to get an advantage is just go to a Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Mexico. <laughs> all they got to do is get a fucking 32-ounce cowboy ribeye. That thing's loaded. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff in there. Um, yeah, look, look, he's clearly going to be clean for this fight to fight in a WBC sanction event. Got to be body tested. Right. So he's going to have to come in clean. But I agree. I mean, regardless of, you know, whatever it is Pavekin was taking, uh, chances are he's going to come in far better shape than Berman Stavern. I haven't seen a single picture of Berman Stavern. Probably pissed, too. In years. Yeah, I've got to think Pavekin's kind of pissed that he missed his shot to get a belt because he's probably, there wasn't a better shot for him out there to pick up a belt other than fighting Wilder. He had a good chance. In that fight, I don't think there's too many people that had that fight at, you know, much worse than a 50-50 fight. If you really broke it down to to you know Wilder not fighting anybody up until that point, yeah, and Pavetkin being in against the best in the division for the last five years, so there's no you know, he he's gonna be fucking pissed off, and I, you know, he's got the pending there's the pending lawsuit with Wilder. So does that fight ever happen? Probably not. My my guess is DeBella and and Heyman do their best to make sure that there's no way that Povetkin ever gets a shot at Wilder again, and they'll play up the, the steroid issue, whether meldonium is that big of a deal or not, and, or you believe it is or not. They will wear that thing out, and they will stretch that court case out, and that fight will never happen. You can forget it. Wilder Povetkin is never, never. D-O-A. Happen. Yeah. Well, if that fight's dead on arrival, then uh, where does this one lead? Who knows, man? Who knows? Uh, the uh, as the world turns in the yes. heavyweight division. All right, uh, Gennady Golovkin versus Danny Jacobs as we pivot from the heavyweights to the never-ending quest for Gennady Golovkin to get a fight that will uh, I don't know I guess get the 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 haters the little G fans out there. <laughs> um, dude, Danny Jacobs. Anytime that there's a mandatory fight and there's a champion. And a challenger. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a certain purse split that is mandated that happens every time by the sanctioning body. Danny Jacobs, instead of accepting what every other challenger that wants to fight for a championship deserves, mm-hmm. has submitted a petition to the WBA 
for them to bend their rules to allow him to receive 40% of a purse split against the champion, Gennady Golovkin. Vince, the fact that he is allowed to submit this is one thing. Okay, okay, he's allowed to submit it. Does that mean it has to be overturned? No. So then we hear the rumor is that since he's submitting this, the WBA is going to mandate a purse bid. Then we hear an announcement from the WBA that there's not going to be a purse bid, that they are trying to facilitate this in any way possible and have offered interim bouts to both fighters. (laughs) Vince, Hmm. how in the hell do you offer an interim bout to a fighter that is a challenger that does not have a belt, has no equity built up with fans, has no pot to piss in outside of the PBC, has been so absolutely poorly promoted. His last four fights have had a combined attendance of Triple G's sellout at the Forum. Triple G has sold out in London. He has sold out in New York. He has sold out in Los Angeles. And this guy who has not been able to sell out his hometown, whose last fight was in Reading, Pennsylvania, who has... No fan base to speak of whatsoever. Can't even fill half of a stadium in his hometown is demanding an exception to get paid more for this fight. Let me ask you this. Who do you blame more? Do you blame the obvious, Al Heyman and the PBC, for paying fighters far more than they deserve before they've accomplished or earned anything, any equity, any goodwill with the fans, Do you blame it on Al Heyman for creating that standard? Or do you blame it on the WBA for allowing Danny Jacobs to gallivant around as a fucking puppet, fake-ass champion? Who do you blame more? Who is more, or is it Danny Jacobs' fault for taking the easy road? All of the above. Can I take all of the above? Because they all play a hand in it. And look, the WBAs, their actions have been fucking deplorable for years. They're the worst. They they make up their own rules and do whatever they want, however they see fit to you know make sure their pockets are stuffed the most. It's it, it's a fucking joke. But to to me, I look at this and I see how all of a sudden they're they're offering this fucking interim bout bullshit. You you can't tell me that Al Heyman isn't whispering in the ears of the WBA because I'm gonna tell you what, man. If you think you can argue, I dare you to fucking try to put together an argument to explain to me how Danny Jacobs deserves 40% of that purse. Like you said, this guy has absolutely, he brings nothing to the table. Absolutely nothing. The only thing he brings is some people think that this fight will somehow legitimize Triple G, and this isn't just as shitty of a fight as the last five fights, where in my (laughs) opinion... Danny Jacobs will be out, done and out inside of three rounds, and after it, people will say, well, yeah, it was Danny Jacobs. So I don't, I don't want to fucking hear that shit. This isn't the fight that the little G fags are going to say legitimizes Triple G, because it doesn't in my eyes. This, this win against Jacobs means no more than beating fucking Dominic Wade. Absolutely not. I would give Dominic Wade a 50-50 shot tomorrow against Danny Jacobs in a fight. Danny Jacobs is the middleweight champion of the world, well, that's, the, that's the fucking problem. See, the WBA was able to get away with the, with the creation of the PBC. They were able to fake and act like there was there's two fucking champions. No, there isn't. No, we're not stupid. 
There's a champion, and then you have a fucking guy that you throw a trinket on and call him the regular champion. Well, I don't what like the fuck. Does that mean I don't like regular anything? Regular means nothing. Who's the fucking champ? And that's that's Triple G. So this fucking whole charade, I, I, I you you could have fucking seen it coming. I mean, it, never for once did I actually fucking think that this fight was going to be made. There is too many fucking roadblocks. It, it's and the bottom line is Triple G and Heyman. Don't fucking want it, and they never have. If they wanted it, they could have had it at any point in time in the last two and a half fucking years, but they don't. So why do they want it now? You know what, Ben? It's all fine and good for the WBA to have something in their bylaws that says that somebody is allowed to submit a petition if they think they deserve more financial interest in the fight. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that. It's just like I don't have a problem with Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick having a right to do whatever the hell he wants during the national anthem. But that doesn't mean I fucking appreciate it, buy it, support it, or anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The fact in this situation is is that Danny Jacobs has the right to submit this petition. But the WBA could have stepped in because they guess what? They've already clusterfucked boxing as it is as it pertains to anybody that fights for one of their belts mm -hmm. and for any fight that is sanctioned by the WBA. They fucked it all up already. So Gilberto uh, Mendoza on this fucking uh, this pilgrimage, you know what I mean? It, it, dude, he's on a crusade, right, to take all of his belts and have these fake-ass tournaments, none of which have, ha have, have happened. He's consolidated a few belts, whatever. Yeah. He could have stepped in and said, guess what? Danny Jacobs, and he could have done this right away within 24 hours. Thanks for submitting your appeal. But it is denied. There will be a purse bid on this date. That's the easiest way to get rid of the belt. If this fucking guy doesn't want to get what he deserves, get in the ring and fight Triple G straight up for Triple G's real WBA middleweight championship, the real unified middleweight championship of the world, if he doesn't want to get in the ring with them, it's an easy fix for the WBA. Because if Danny Jacobs bows out of the fight, doesn't go through with the purse bid, they strip him. And they don't ever have to have that fucking junior varsity regular belt Ever. They can drop it into the fucking fires of Mordor like the Ring of Power <laughs> and get rid of it for fucking ever. Please. That would be nice. But uh, guess what? That's too easy. That's their way out of this. Mm -hmm. That's their way out of this. And they can get out of the Danny Jacobs business and tell Al Heyman, guess what? When you fucking start promoting your fighter, then we'll give him shots. And guess what? And if he doesn't take them, then he won't be ranked. I I'm surprised they don't just laugh like right in the face of Al Heyman and the PBC, and Danny Jacobs with that fucking letter. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and, and you know what? You hear the same argument going on on the other side with, with the Golovkin and, and Canelo negotiations and people getting pissed about Triple G thinking he deserves more than whatever the split that he was offered from Golden Boy, which I don't think anybody knows for real. 70-30 or whatever it was, 75-25, and he's asking for more. This is a completely fucking different situation. Triple G brings something to the table in those negotiations, which is a fan base. People that will, that will, no matter what, when he's involved, are there. Danny Jacobs brings absolutely zero to the table. There's no argument to say. You can't argue till you're fucking blue in the face. You can never, ever, ever sell me that Danny Jacobs has any right to think he has negotiating power in this. It's just, 
It's not the case. I'm sorry. Dude, he he cannot sell tickets. No. Okay? He cannot sell tickets, and he cannot fight anybody that is worth a shit. And for all these apologists out there, look, I get he shocked a lot of people with the result of the Peter Quillen fight. Mm-hmm. Get it, right? But we all know that Peter Quillen's a pussy and a charlatan, okay? That he's been a total and utter complete fraud and is at the very center and is kind of a poster boy for the failures of the PBC. Mm-hmm. whoop de fucking do But the apologists out there that get up on their soapbox and want to defend that somehow this Sergio Mora fucking duel, the two fights against fucking Mora were anything, <laughs> that th- this somehow lifted him up as, hey, well, at least he, he beat a credible guy, yeah. blah, blah, blah. No. Dude, you are not a champion. You never were a champion, okay? Get in the ring. If you want to be the best, Fight the best. Prove you're the best and take Triple G's belt. But guess what? He is okay. It takes something, and this is where the blame falls on Danny Jacobs. And this is where it is equally shared, like you said, between the WBA, Al Heyman, and Danny Jacobs. Because Danny Jacobs has not a single quarrel, qualm, or fucking second thought about walking around with that fake-ass belt over his shoulder and showing it to the world. And guess what? Maybe this is why his fan base is deplorable and horrible. Because nobody fucking believes it. Because any boxing fan out there knows, look at this fucking poser. Look at this guy. Oh, yeah, he's a nice guy. So guess what? Because he's nice, he should be able to get away with everything. No. Oh, look at him. Oh, we feel bad for him. So, <laughs> so yeah, look at him. Hey, hey champ. Yeah, no. Hey, I'm, champ. Nope, nope. Uh, look, you can't, you can't get away with this shit any longer. And you know what? If if he's not going to take this fight, then fine. Go fucking back to the PBC. Go join Chris Eubank and Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, get you know, go fight whoever you want. I'll, I'll, here's what I'm going to say about this: it, it, it's probably not going to happen. Just from the this already this load of bullshit that's leading into it. Get ready for fucking Triple G Andy Lee at MSG in December. Oh. Oh, I'm telling you, that's what it's going. That's what's going to end up the, fucking happening. They're not going to get off that date. Well, and- who else can you get? He's the perfect opponent. You can't. Do, yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to have to find somebody quickly because this has been a fucking drawn out mess. Yeah. Well, when I say perfect opponent, it's not the perfect opponent for this. It, he is the perfect opponent for a fight that must happen December 10th in New York City. Yeah. And who the fuck else is there? There isn't anybody. People are going to people are going to fucking light the world on fire. That Oh, look. Yeah. I could have just gave. Could have just gave him 40% of the purse, and you could have been fighting Danny Jacobs. I challenge our Photoshop-inclined friends that always seem to come up with a creative one uh, <laughs> when we think of it. I want to see a picture of Triple G in a, in a fucking Godzilla scene in Tokyo with the city burning and Triple G blowing fire, standing, you know, <laughs> dude, standing 10 times higher than the skyscraper, spitting fireballs down on the middleweights as they run and flee, and, and, and they're not saying, Gojira! <laughs> Gojira! They say, Triple G! Triple G! Triple G! <laughs> that's fucking perfect. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's, that's, yeah. this is what this has turned into. It has. A fucking sci-fi Japanese monster flick. It's, it's a joke, man. Oh, Ken, he should just move up. Oh. Yeah, just move up. Yep, that's what he should do. Screw being the first one to unify the middleweight division. He should move up, but he should go down to 154 and fight fight Floyd. Oh, histor- what else should he do? History means nothing, Ken. No. I don't want to be the next Bernard Hopkins. No. Who wants to be that? 
Nope. Not me. <laughs> Bernard's doing better than them all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm with you. Uh, dude, I was so optimistic. I thought the WBA was going to have some kind of influence on this. No. And, and And look, I firmly believe that the sanctioning bodies do more good than bad. For as corrupt as they are, they're the only thing that actually forces and makes fights happen sometimes. Right. But in this case, the WBA does what they always do, and they prove themselves to be a gutless, sackless, ballless organization that has neither the wherewithal or the intestinal fortitude to fucking do their jobs. They're a disgrace to the sport. I don't care if they're, they're the original sanctioning body. They have turned into a laughing stock and a total and utter fucking charade of what they used to be. They're a fucking joke. They are a fleshy patch, my friend. Ballless. Fleshy patch. And that <laughs> shit gets itchy. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, so let's close the show on a positive note, Vin. Oh, really? Your favorite fighter in the world. Yeah. Vin will never stop telling me that Danny Garcia is the undisputed champion from 140 to 147 pounds. Best left hook in the history of boxing, baby. Knocked out power for days. (laughs) Your boy, DSG, guess what? In typical PBC fashion, let's announce our only big fight that we have left of the year with who we think is our biggest star outside of Deontay Wilder. And guess what? Danny Garcia's fight is announced. The public gets hype. But guess what? There's no opponent. No? Danny Garcia versus TBA live November 12th from somewhere in Philadelphia. (laughs) From Angel Garcia's barbershop. DSG comes home, baby. Angel Garcia versus a line of coke. Uh, <laughs> I know the city of brotherly love's been waiting for DSG fight. I mean, I, I guarantee you he won't be. He won't even be able to sell out there. Now, maybe they'll load the card with a bunch of Philly fighters, which I'm sure they will. Well, how many people does Temple University's basketball arena hold? Uh, probably twelve thousand, if that. It's not that big. So yeah, I mean, look. This guy has become the biggest fucking disgrace to the sport of boxing. And, uh, you know, for a guy that really isn't that bad of a fighter, just the way that he has, he has controlled his career and him and his father have turned this into the biggest fucking joke in boxing next to Chris Eubank, it really is. Yeah. Like, the, DSG and Angel Garcia are the originals. <laughs> Eubank and fucking Eubank Jr. and Sr. are trying to follow that path. But these two fucking idiots over here, the the Garcia family, they they have said some of the most ridiculous fucking statements over the last two years, basically looking boxing fans in the face and saying, we don't give a shit. I don't care who you want us to fight. We fight who we want, when we want, and we do it for big money. And that's what it's all about. So how the fuck am I supposed to care about this motherfucker? And everybody's saying, oh, well, you know. There's an article written on Boxing Scene this past weekend about, you, you know, just kind of not not saying it's okay what he's doing, but basically saying just, you know, it's kind of, this is the landscape now, guys. Just, just accept it. Just, just deal with it, you know. DSG, do, do you want him to come in rusty against Keith Thurman next year, early next year? Or do you want him to get a, a tune-up fight on Spike for short money? Are you fucking kidding me? This, this guy who writes this is a paid fucking boxing journalist. 
It's like, dude, this is the issue. This is the problem with the sport. These guys are perpetuating what is the reason why this sport cannot fucking climb out of the abyss. It is just... All it does is, yeah, let's give, let's overpay fighters for fucking shit competition, and they they don't. What, where's the need as the, as the fighter to want to do anything else? Why would you want to? Why would you want to take a risk when you're just getting fucking one point two million dollars to knock out Rod Salkas? Where's the Where's the drive to want to be great? To it's not going to fucking be there. And th- th- this is the issue with boxing, and has been for the past. I want to say. Since the beginning of the PBC and and shortly before, with fighters making too much fucking money for bullshit fights. TBA. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yes. You ready for John Molina? You ready for uh, Sam Eggington? I heard. Who did Guerrero just beat? You remember that? Dude. Uh, Robert Guerrero? Peralta. Yeah. David Peralta. Yes. I heard David Peralta is on the table, my friend. David Peralta has quit his job as a cab driver and is training full time. Well, <laughs> well, geez, Ben. <laughs> now that you put it that way, I'm all about this fight. I mean, I'm telling you, that's what the fuck. That's what we're gonna get. They can legitimize him. He just beat Robert Guerrero, Ken. I mean, it's just that I'm telling you, this is what's gonna fucking happen. Six time world champion, Rob. <laughs> yeah, six time world champion. <laughs> hey, man. DSG man, yeah, this this fucking guy. If if he if he doesn't fight Thurman next, uh, you just fucking retire, dude. Nobody's going to no, nobody's going to care to watch you fight. Keith Thurman's letter to boxing, Danny Garcia, people apologizing, say, hey, they need tune up fights. How about this? I got a novel concept. How about these guys? Instead of fighting twice a year for money they don't deserve, how about fighting three times a year, making a living? earn some respect from the fans, sell some tickets, and then you won't need a fucking tune-up fight. No. Do your job. You're hey, in your uh, fucking prime. I'm going to call my boss tomorrow and say, eh, we got a big day on on uh, Wednesday. Going to need Tuesday off to get ready for it. <laughs> um, I'm going to need a tune-up day. Yeah, I'm going to need a tune-up day. going to have to uh, stage my work day before I come in and actually uh, do my job. Yeah, earn my check. Um, and guess what? Yeah, not going to be here tomorrow, but I'm going to need to be paid double for that. <laughs> yeah, double. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but my dad's a crackhead. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, we need the money. Hey, you got you to be able to pay for them hookers you long dicking all the time, right? <laughs> oh, long dick and Tyrone style. <laughs> Haven't heard one of those in a while. Oh man, can we you got that bit somewhere? Oh man. <laughs> that shit was so goddamn funny. It's about the paper, man. It's not about the glory. We over here long dicking these bitches Tyrone style. David Emmanuel Peralta. No, that's D E P. I was that T B A? No, no. D E P. Yeah. Get ready, my friend. Awesome. Man. Live action. Cool, man. So what you're telling me is is that the welterweight and uh, junior middleweight divisions are going to be held hostage? Yeah. Once again. Yeah. Let's yeah. mix it up then. Apparently the middleweight division too. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, look, at least we get a DSG fight sandwiched in between the Pacquiao pay-per-view and the Kovalev Ward pay-per-view. Oh, awesome. 
I really needed that. To, to a cook. night off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's just leave it right there because this yeah. is going to keep going deeper nah. and deeper into, uh, as you like to say, the abyss. I, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I got nothing for DSG anymore. He's a punk. I'm hungry. <laughs> I need something to eat. <laughs> I am too, man. Get this fucking thing in. Bring us home, Ken. All right, man. It's late, and uh, episode 135 is winding down. As the big fight this weekend, Vin, BJ Flores traveling to the UK to challenge Pretty Ricky. I don't know about you, but I think BJ Flores doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> I don't think so either, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be pretty horrible. But if you want to tune into uh, Tony Bellew knocking out BJ Flores, I recommend it. I think Cool Hand Luke Campbell is on the undercard. Yeah. Actually, that's one reason to tune in right there. See if that kid's, uh, you know, made any changes. If he brings any anything to the table, is he still a legitimate prospect slash contender? Or will be, or will he continue to be a name that is known in the UK that is shoved onto undercards to sell more more Eddie Hearn? Uh, that's probably the latter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you might be right. But until then. Until episode 136, when we do the post fight, <laughs> uh, probably won't be too much of a post fight. But hopefully, over the next couple of days, we'll get an announcement as Eddie Hearn has placed a uh, an ex- expiration date on the negotiations for Joshua versus Klitschko. But until then, it's just more boxing banter, and you've been listening to the Pound for Pound King, the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on the Boxing Rant. Com. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Follow Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. Drop by theboxingrant.com for all the ways to subscribe to the show today. We're on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, and Spreaker. Hit us up, podcast at theboxingrant.com. So, Vin, until next week. Yes, sir. Enjoy this nice, crisp autumn weather. Thank God it ain't fucking hot as hell anymore. I know. But guess what? The tail of the tape is always on fire. Oh, yes, sir. Hot fire. You've been listening to episode 135 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>